and gentlemen of the congregation, welcome to another episode of the Motorsport Ministry. This is episode number 89, so 11 to go until we hit that coveted episode 100 mark. And don't worry folks, we got something big and grander for that 100th episode, so stay tuned for it and you'll see what it is. But in today's episode, for episode number 89, not a whole lot to go over, we're going to be talking about what NASCAR can do now with only five races left to go in the playoffs with this next-gen car. We're going to be talking about why I like this style of super speedway racing over others. Then we'll give it our race weekend rankings and our verse of the week. So with all that being said, let's begin. And I want to start off by talking about impatience. You know, impatience is something that all of us have. Every single one of us has some form of impatience, some better than others, and it's up to us as time goes on to naturally phase out of that impatient phase and turn into more calm, patient approaches. I can tell you this, I'm very impatient. I know a lot of people who are very impatient. However, I know that there are some instances where, you know, let's say you're training somebody or let's say you're learning new material. You can't just expect to get that new material or that person to get that new material just right off the bat. You need to be patient with them. Patience is one of the most important things that we as people can learn in our lives. So when the drivers and the fans come out with this next-gen car, which is known to have you know a lot of issues, especially when it comes to safety. Kurt Busch has been out since basically July with the Pocono, since Pocono after that crash. And then you had Alex Bowman, who had to sit out the Talladega race, a playoff driver, might I add. So a playoff driver had to sit out of the Talladega race because he had a concussion from about the same kind of crash that Kurt Busch had, which is, you know, backing it into the wall. Now, I've heard a lot of fans out there, and even drivers, say that NASCAR needs to fix this right now. We need changes wholesale now, whether it's with the completely new car, changing the rear clips, or whatever. Fans and drivers are saying that we need to change something, we need to change something now, or else drivers are going to continue to get more injured. To those fans and drivers, I ask this question. What can NASCAR do? Seriously. Like, let's actually think about it. Okay, we understand. NASCAR needs to make changes. I don't think NASCAR is oblivious to the, to the idea that, NAS, that they don't need to make changes. But, as of right now, with only five races left to go in the season, what can NASCAR do? I mean, let's look at the solutions that people have come out with. There's really been two. There's new rear clips and basically a semi-new rear design for the rear end of the car. And then there's the concept of basically redesigning the whole next-gen car altogether. Let's start off with number one. Can the first option be utilized by NASCAR now with only five races to go in the season? It's hard to say. Because I believe NASCAR added new rear clips. I don't remember if it was before the season began or very early in the season. If it was during the season, then yeah, they could easily implement that into the next, into probably, if I had to guess, maybe Las Vegas or Homestead, they're not going to do for the Roval. But again, I'm going based off the fact that I don't remember exactly when NASCAR put the new front clips. But if they did it in the offseason, then how do you expect NASCAR to be able to just change something with five races to go? And I want to preface this, the five race to go, because it is also very important. Look, I understand that safety is the most important thing in racing. And it should always be the most important thing in racing. That is not 
anything I am tried to and or will ever argue. However, there's five races left. There's barely a month of the season left. I know that's enough time for plenty of drivers to potentially get injured or worse, but we're in the middle of an intense championship battle. Arguably, the I mean, look how long it took for us to get one driver locked into the next round. It took until Talladega, where Chase Elliott got the job done. So we're in the middle of a close championship battle, and you can make the argument that's the reason why NASCAR needs to do more than ever, because drivers are unsure if they're going to make it out of this round more so than ever. However, five races left. NASCAR is right now more prioritized in getting this championship going and getting the season done. So they want the, they're trying to get the season over. They're trying to focus on the championship battle, trying to keep the attention on that. I'm as as hard, or I guess not. That's not the right term to use. The term to use, as cruel as it may sound, what I'm about to say, right now that is not NASCAR's priority. The aforementioned two diff, two things I just mentioned are NASCAR's priority. Now I guarantee you, the first day of the off season, NASCAR will prioritize everything on safety, especially fixing the rear end of that next gen car. But that's one thing. The second argument people are using, this is mostly having to do with some drivers, is when they say that we need a whole new design to the next-gen car. In my opinion, that's not going to happen. Look, NASCAR has been designing this car for three, four, five years probably. Probably going back to 2018, 2019 when the designs of this next-gen car were starting to be produced. So, how do drivers and fans expect for NASCAR to just completely overhaul the next-gen car? And on top of that, if NASCAR were to overhaul the whole design of the next-gen car, who's going to pay for it? Teams are not going to want to pay for it. Do you think NASCAR is going to want to pay for it? Maybe they would because you could say that, oh, NASCAR basically put, put themselves in this position because teams aren't allowed to fix the issues and they're all spec parts. So you could say that it is NASCAR's fault. They would have to, in that sense, pay for it. Okay, but there's a difference between they should and are they going to. In my opinion, I don't think NASCAR would be, you know, would be paying the would be having the would be paying for the teams. Especially if we're talking about a whole new design of a car. The next gen car is already expensive enough that it is. Do you think NASCAR wants to pay for well over 40 cars and more? I mean, think about it. Teams are supposed to have at minimum seven next gen cars. Or a maximum of seven next-gen cars, excuse me. That's a lot of cars NASCAR would have to basically pay for if we were to redesign the whole thing. And I guarantee you NASCAR isn't going to do that. I wouldn't even be shocked if they refused to pay for even half of that. But there's something else that I want, excuse me, there's something else that I wanted to mention here. And that is going back on that this idea of why the drivers are upset. Because in my opinion... From everything that's been coming out with how this next-gen car was designed and how the drivers were facing, were giving NASCAR warnings and NASCAR didn't listen to them because drivers have been coming out. And this isn't new. Throughout the entirety of the off-seasons, whether it's the 2020 and 2021 off-seasons, ever since the next-gen car first hit the track with Austin Dillon at Richmond, drivers have been complaining. Hey, these cars feel, these cars feel harder to wreck. These cars feel too stiff to wreck. We feel more of the force, issues with the diffuser, issues with short tracks. So many issues that the drivers have been coming out to NASCAR to say, and NASCAR has basically been ignoring them. 
They've been like, oh, the data shows this. The computer simulation shows this. iRacing shows this. So NASCAR's been ignoring them. And now that they're facing the consequences because of it, the drivers are coming out at full force. The drivers are basically telling NASCAR, we told you so. And in that case, the drivers have every right to be as angry as they are with NASCAR. Because if you come out, let's say you come out and you warn somebody, don't eat that ice cream because you're allergic to it. But that person says, oh, I'm not going to get an allergic reaction, it's fine. And then they get an allergic reaction, how are you going to react to that person? You're not going to be calm with them. You're going to say pretty harshly, you're an idiot or I told you so. So the drivers are doing that exact same thing to NASCAR right now. They gave them warnings, NASCAR didn't listen, and now the drivers are coming out in full force saying, we told you so and now we have to suffer because of it. Whether it's because of our health or even in some cases, guys like Denny Hamlin and Brad Kozlowski who co-own teens, that's to come out of their pocketbook. But I still want to give NASCAR some form of credit. Because I don't want to make it seem like, and what a lot of people are making it seem like, is that NASCAR is just ignoring all the safety of this car. Listen, I've harped on this for many months, and you know, pretty much ever since I started this podcast. If there's one thing you can always guarantee that NASCAR will do, is when safety is an issue, they will make it a priority. They're more reactive to it rather than proactive, which isn't necessarily the greatest thing in the world. You should never have to wait for someone to get injured before you make a re- before you have to make a reaction. You should always be proactive more more so than reactive. However, when it comes to reactive, NASCAR is always really good when it comes to being reactive. I mean, look at the fires. They've solved the fires basically instantly after the Kevin Harvick issue at Darlington. Look at all the issues they have with the next-gen car in terms of safety. The Ryan Newman bar after the 2020-day Tona 500. Again, the COT, prioritizing safety above all else. Above all else. The, it, the safety innovations just with the Gen 4 car. The Hans devices, the safer bears. People need to understand, NASCAR just didn't revolutionize safety for, the, for their sanctioning body, but for motor racing as a whole. Really, it wasn't until NASCAR started making safety a priority that other series began to follow. Even if it was just not directly. Whether you're talking about safer barriers in Formula 1 racing in Indianapolis, or safer barriers at Texas in IndyCar racing at Texas, NASCAR led the way in innovation when it comes to safety. Again, they're reactive more so than proactive, which isn't the greatest thing in the world, but you have to give NASCAR credit where credit is due. And I always say this, if you have a body of work, and then you you start making mistakes on that said body of work, I'm still going to give you credit because I have over 20 years of experience to show that you can get it. You can get the job fixed. I mean, even just with this next gen car, the tire issues, you don't really see them anymore. At least talking about the flat tires. We now we're having tire failures, just, you know, talking about mile and a half, but the fires, we don't see fires that much anymore. I mean, the steering issues, that seems, to be, that seems to be gone. The driver's overheating in the car, that's gone. So yes, while safety is an issue, and this car needs a major change when it comes to safety, and yes, NASCAR does deserve a lot of criticism. Drivers warned them. NASCAR ignored them. Now they're paying the consequences. I still want to reassure people, NASCAR will get it done. Again, NASCAR isn't just going to sit back and wait for a driver to get killed. They will not. By the end of, by the beginning of the 2023 season and by the start of the Clash or the Daytona 500, 
NASCAR Wolf had a solution. I can guarantee that because I have over 20 years of experience of, you know, I've 20 years, NASCAR's 20 years of experience to prove to me that they will. So, yes, I go back to asking this question, at least for these next five races, what can NASCAR do? And I'm not saying this to criticize people who are criticizing NASCAR. This is a genuine question. If you guys have an answer, whether it's a driver or whether that is a fan, please let me know on my Twitter at Motor Minister. Or let us know in the Q&A section of this episode on Spotify. What can NASCAR do with five races to go to fix the safety of this next-gen car? Because I don't have a solution. A lot of people don't have a solution. And it's always been, I always like to say we need to give context. We have the context for how NASCAR needs to fix this, but what do we do to fix it is the next piece of context we need to come up with. And until we come up with that, we're still going to ask the same question. What can NASCAR do to fix these cars for the remainder of the 2022 season? All right, so I love super speedway racing. I guarantee you a lot of you guys love super speedway racing as, as well. And if there's two things that NASCAR as a sport has built itself on to separate itself from just even other forms of motorsport, it's short track racing and super speedway racing. Name me one other form of auto racing that races at the high banks of tracks like Daytona, Talladega, and now including Atlanta, or racing on the small short tracks across the country like Martinsville, Bristol. Name me another motorsport that does that. And I'm not talking about your local short tracks. I'm talking about a true sanctioning body. You can't. So that's one thing that NASCAR has always done to separate itself from other racing disciplines. And I know a lot of people weren't too happy with the Talladega race, you know, this past Sunday. Because they were saying that there were three lanes that were able to form. It was basically, you know, it was hard for the top lane to really get going. The bottom lane was very dominant. But overall... I thought this was a great Talladega race. This form of super speedway racing has always been the type of style of super speedway racing that I've always enjoyed. I'm never a fan of super speedway racing when it comes down to a big one with 20 laps to go. Then we have to wait nearly an hour for a red flag to clean up all the debris, clean up all the crash cars. Then there's 10, if we're lucky, cars left in the race. Then we get about two to three mini spins, and then we go into overtime, and then only five cards are really in contention to win. I'm never a fan of that kind of racing. Now, I understand. Crashes help spice up a race. They're like adding complete seasoning to your eggs. It's not a necessity, but if you do it, it surprisingly makes it a little bit better. However, like with anything, you add too much spice, it kind of takes, takes away from the whole meal itself. Same thing with super speedway racing. You have too many crashes, takes away from the racing. You don't have a race at that point. At that point, you have a demolition derby. So, why do I like this style of racing? Why do I really? Why did I really enjoy this race as opposed to other people who probably didn't enjoy the race? Now, I'm not saying these people didn't like it because there weren't a lot of crashes. I'm not saying that. Although, there are fans out there, usually casual fans, who only watch just to see a wreck. And in that case, well, number one, thanks for tuning in. And number two, please don't say that the race sucked when you don't even know what real racing looks like. But anyways, going back on topic, why do I like this race? Because when you have more cars involved, number one, in my opinion, 
it's more of a spectacle this way than if we were to have a big one. Let me ask you, what would you rather see as a fan coming with about five to three laps to go? 25, 30 plus cars still in contention to win the race. So a guy could easily come from 10th to 1st at any given moment coming to the white flag. Or three laps to go, drivers are three and four wide, not giving each other an inch, you know, being very aggressive. Then one guy makes a bad move, causes a big crash, and then only about five to 10 cars are at the end coming to the white. When you put it that way, you're going to pick option one. But that's how it is. I mean, just naturally, seeing more cars have a chance to win the race coming to the white is always going to be more appealing than only seeing about five cars at the end. Because, yes, while the big one is a big spectacle and, you know, you get that OMG moment or that WTF moment, that only lasts an instant. And then once you come back to the green flag, you're like, well... That kind of ended disappointingly. I can tell you what, as someone who was at the Daytona race back in August, that big one, pretty you know, it was a spectacle, but at the end of the race, fairly disappointing. I was like, okay, Austin Dillon, Tyler Reddick, and I think Austin Cindric. That's really it. That's all we got. Super Speedway Racing, where anybody can have a given shot of winning, and we're only down to four cars who have a shot. Kind of defeats the whole idea of super speedway racing. And another thing also is that, uh, again, you got more cars at the finish. I mean, what is one reason why we love Talladega and Daytona? To hear the roar of 40 engines driving around that track at almost 200, over 200 miles an hour. No one wants to see five or six cars at the end competing for the win. Because at the end of the day, it's only going to come down to can the guy in second get a good shot coming out of the turn four? Or can the guy in first block good enough, block three or four cars good enough? They're not even going that fast because, you know, there's very few cars even produce a draft. I mean, think about it. Think of that finish at Talladega. You had, let me tell you something. I knew that Ryan Blaney and Eric Jones, they were in trouble. Because I thought everyone at least fourth on back had a great shot to win. And where did Chase Elliott win the race from? Around 5th. I think it was around 5th place. But he wouldn't be able to do that without the help of the energy of the other cars of the draft. Yes, Eric Jones gave Elliott a great push. But do you think Jones would have gave him that good of a push if Denny wasn't behind him? If 20, about 15 to 10 other cars weren't behind him to generate that energy that Jones needed to push Elliott? No. So, I know the idea of super speedway racing is big spectacle crashes... And, you know, the big one. But in my opinion, this is the best form of super speedway racing. It's why I thought the best race from the 2019 season was the Spring Talladega race. It's why in 2020, yeah, I know Bubba Wallace, you know, he won the race range short, but we still had a lot of cars at the beginning. It's why I didn't enjoy necessarily the 2018 Daytona 500. Or I didn't really enjoy the end of the August race at Daytona, and I was there. It's because it's fairly, you know, it's like, okay, we got a, you know, we got a big one. That's nice. It's nice to watch, but you don't get any cars competing at the end. But this kind of racing at super speedways, over 30 cars that have a shot to win the race. You don't know 
who's going to really come out on top at the end, even coming out of turn four. That is always, in my opinion, going to be the superior form of super speedway racing. And, you know, again, that's why I like the style of racing. Some people might like the big spectacle crashes, but this is my type of super speedway. The races where everyone has a shot, and it's why the races, why, in my opinion, the 2016 Daytona 500 is the best Daytona 500. Because he had basically the entire field in contention to win. It's more exciting, it's more adrenaline, and you get that feeling all the way till the checkered flag drops. Alright, you guys know what time it is. It's time for Race Weekend Ranking, sponsored by Johnny B's Barbershop. If you've lived in the South Florida area in desperate need of a haircut, head over to Johnny B's Barbershop on Davie Road Extension and Sterling Road. Rob, Johnny, Will, and the rest of the crew will not only give you the best haircut you've ever received, but a friendly atmosphere you do not get at any other barbershops or big barber chains. So head over to Johnny B's Barbershop, once again on Davey Road Extension and Sterling Road, and tell them that I sent you. So, we got four races to rank today. We got the Formula One Singapore Grand Prix. We got the triple header between the Trucks, Xfinity, and Cup Series at Talladega. So, with all that being said, let's get started by talking about number four on the list. And I'm going to give it to the Singapore Grand Prix. Best moment for me? I didn't feel there really was a best moment of the race. There really wasn't a time in the race that I could say that that was the best moment. Sergio Perez led all the laps. He was really not in contention. And even then, Verstappen couldn't even clinch the world championship. So there wasn't really a best moment that stuck out to me this race. Worst moment for me? I'm going to give it to the many DNFs going on in the race. From Fernando Alonso with an engine issue. To Yuki Tsunoda. I believe only 11 cars managed to finish the race. So when you have nearly half the entire field DNFing, that's never a sight that you want to see. So I, that's my worst moment of the race. My WTF moment of the race, I'm going to give it to Max Verstappen spinning. Try to overtake Lando Norris, pick up another spot. He ends up spinning. Well, not necessarily spinning, but he goes over into the runoff, then spins himself in order to straighten out. But I'm going to call it a spin regardless. But it's just a mistake we don't see Verstappen make. Verstappen's not known for making a lot of mistakes nowadays. He's, like we say, probably easily clear-cut away the best driver in the series. So the fact to see him make a mistake like that on a guy where he probably would have gotten by him easily later on in the race was fairly shocking. But overall, this race was, it was entertaining. It was never boring. You had a lot of things going on in this race, but it was never really for on-track things. Whether it was the Alonzo issues or the Sonoda issues, the constant drivers going into the barriers... It was In terms of competitiveness, it wasn't that competitive, so that's why I'm going to give it a 5 out of 10 and make it dead last on my list. Number 3, I'm going to give it to the Truck Series race at Talladega. Best moment for me, I'm going to give it to Matt DiBenedetto winning his first Truck Series race. Listen, Matt DiBenedetto has had an up and down career to say the least. From the highs of making the playoffs with the Wood Brothers to the lows of you know not even making the playoffs with a mid-tier Truck Series team. But... He did manage to finally get himself a NASCAR National Series win, winning the truck race at Talladega, albeit by somewhat dubious circumstances with the caution coming out. But still, a win is a win, and it's always good to see a first-time winner. Worst moment for me, I'm going to give it to Carson Hosevar spinning out. I don't know what Carson is thinking. Look, it'd be different if it was a driver who was at least competing for the championship or maybe competing for a race win. But this is Carson Hosevar. He's not won, he's out of the playoffs, and he's driving around acting like he owns the series. In my opinion, and the opinion of others, NASCAR needs to park him, 
whether it's for one race or multiple races, to get it through his head that you cannot keep doing this. And this isn't the first time. This is the second time he spun himself out to bring out a yellow, and he's wrecked others in order to bring himself a yellow to give himself an advantage. Again, I don't know what he's doing. I don't know what's going on. But someone in NASCAR needs to clean needs to clean him up, whether that's parking him or suspending him, something just to get it through his head that you cannot do this stuff. And my WTF moment of the race is going to go to the Haley Deegan Picker member who ran through pit road to go get a tire in the infield and basically screwed himself into a suspension. He, he has no one to blame but himself. That was a dangerous move regardless of of, you know, good intention or not. There was no reason to do it. Now he suspended himself, which hurts him and his team. So, my WTF moment of the race is going to go to that. Overall, it's a typical Talladega race for trucks. Nothing fancy, nothing great. So, I'm going to give it a 6 out of 10. Number 2 on the list, I'm going to give it... Hmm, this is, this is actually a good one. Because I feel like Xfinity and Cup are both very good, very comparable races. You know what? I'm going to put number two at Xfinity and Cup at number one. And I'll explain why I'm putting Cup at number one, obviously, when we get there. But number two, I'm going to give it to the Xfinity Series race. Best moment for me, I'm going to give it to AJ Allmendinger finally getting a super speedway win. Look, he's known as the road course king. He's won a couple races a mile and a half. But even he said he's wanted to knock out a super speedway win for the longest time. So to see his emotion to finally get that done, I'm going to make that my best moment of the race. Worst moment of the race for me... Worst moment of the race for me? I don't really think there was a worst moment. I mean, I think all the cars finished the race, not one DNF. So you can't really ask for anything better. And as for a WTF moment, I'm going to make that my WTF moment. The fact that all cars managed to finish the race. Out of over, what, 400 races at Super Speedways? The fact that this was the first time this has ever happened in the National Series, that deserves itself some credit. And out of all tracks for this to happen, it happens at Talladega. So because of that, it earns my WTF moment of the race. But overall, this was a great, fantastic, very competitive race from from you know beginning to end. So I'm going to give this race an 8 out of 10. But there can only be one number one. And that number one is going to go to the Cup Series race at Talladega. Best moment for me, I'm going to give it to the battle between in the middle of the stages. And at the end, Ryan Blaney versus Chase Elliott throughout stage one and stage two and at the end. You didn't know who was going to win the race up until the driver crossed the checkered flag for either the stage or the win. The ending of those stages and the race, I think, were great, and those are going to be my best moments of the race. Worst moment for me, I'm going to give it to the Corey LaJoy crash. You know, flat tire, hit the, hard, hit the wall very hard. You never want to see a driver go through that, so that's going to be my worst moment of the race. And my WTF moment of the race, I'm going to give it to Ty Dillon's window literally falling off. When was the last time we've seen a driver's window fall off, or fall out, I should say? And it was flying all over the track. What are the betting odds going into Talladega that that was going to happen? I would have loved to know that, because you know that they exist. Betting odds exist for everything. So that's my WTF moment of the race. But this race was competitive from beginning to end. You didn't know who was going to win going to the f- coming to the end. I'm, like I said, I'm giving the slight edge to the Cup Series, giving it an 8.5 out of 10. But those are your race weekend rankings, and we will jump straight into our verse of the week. And this one, I really like this verse of the week, this one I come up with. So here it is. 
And there's even a little bit of uh, meaning behind even the book that this verse is going to be based in. So, opening up the Motorsport Manual, as we always do, from the Book of Church, chapter 9, verse 9. Our verse of the week is, engine number 9 will be just fine. Now, to clarify both meanings, Book of Church, Air Church, country music artist, he has a song called Talladega. So, because of that, they were racing at Dega, I decided to make that the name, the Book of Church. And obviously, the verse, engine number 9, will be just fine. It's to clarify that while Chase Elliott has, has had a rough playoff so far, he managed to get the win at Talladega, adding himself some extra playoff points in the bag, and solidifying himself once again as the championship favorite. So again, when the Book of Church, chapter 9, verse 9, engine number 9, will be just fine. And that's going to do it for this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed watching. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. If you guys want to listen to all previous episodes of the Motorsport Ministry, you can search us up on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and Amazon Music. You can find our entire back catalog on all those big major platforms. But once again, thank you guys so much for tuning in. And we will see you next time.